Hello. Hello. <laughs> We're on. Like the break of dawn. Today we thought we'd have a little discussion about mountain bike, in particular fat bike. It's not something we often talk about. I have a question. Go on. Is a fat bike for sure considered a mountain bike? Yeah. Okay. Um, what are the different types ooh, of... we can talk about the history of fat bikes, but we won't. Well, no, I think you should. But what are the... First of all... What are the different categories of mountain bikes for the new person who, like me, at one point didn't even know what a hardtail or full suspension was? Yeah, there's lots of categories, but the easiest way to think about it is hardtail is no suspension in the back, but suspension in the front. Yes. Fully rigid is no suspension in the front, no suspension in the back. But what would make that a mountain bike? Oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, a full suspension is suspension in the rear and suspension in the forks. And then within all of that, you have downhill mountain bikes, you have enduro mountain bikes. So a downhill mountain bike is built just for going downhill. So it's got gears, but not many. Um, if you're going to go uphill and it's not a chairlift, you tend to push a downhill bike. But it has massive suspension, almost like motocross bikes. An enduro has big suspension, but you can ride it up a hill. So bike racing on enduro is timed down only, but you have to ride between stages. Cross country is where you ride all of it, and it tends to be, well not always, but often can be flatter, so you don't need much suspension. And then you have, um, you know, like dirt jumping, which is a bit like BMXing on mud dirt. So, so hold on a minute there, Skippy. You jumped around a little bit between types of bikes and types of riding. Did I notice that correctly? Sort of, but then each one of those that I've mentioned has a different type of bike. Okay, I understand. So, I guess... I had a question, but I So lost. what makes a mountain bike a mountain bike? Well, I wanted to get back to that question of, so a, a mountain bike with no suspension, what makes it a mountain bike and not just a regular bike? Normally it's the width of the tyres. Ah, okay. And the way it's built. So even a fully rigid, like our fat bikes. Like our rigid, fat bikes. But they're built for off-road, like your teeth will fall out before the bike falls apart. So they're kind of over-engineered. They're well-built, big welds, properly reinforced in all the right places. Um, and then the suspension on a fully rigid bike is the human, like your arms and legs and your suspension. Right? So, But, I mean, I don't know what the exact definition is now, but... Normally, a, a fatter tyre, so a width of a mountain bike tyre, is what would make a mountain bike. And I, I guess where the grey area is, maybe 10 years ago, maybe a little bit longer, they went from 26-inch wheels to 27.5-inch wheels. And then there was a phase where they kind of made 27-inch, 27.5-inch wheels. But they then made the tyres much wider, so they were kind of halfway between a fat bike and a normal bike. And some people loved them, some people didn't. Um, the sad thing is, is that 
having written one of those on and off. It was it was okay in English sloppy mud, but it was no good on snow because the tire wasn't wide enough. So, like you like where we were today, you wouldn't have got anywhere. You'd have had, it's, you may as well be on a normal mountain bike. So well, I kind of felt like I was today. A little bit. Oh, yeah. Okay, well that's a bit of uh, some nice basic base knowledge of and types of mountain bikes. Relevant to this conversation, rigid, so fully rigid mountain bikes are often used as, I think the word is utility bikes. So people that bike pack or do kind of more of a exp- exploration Ride. So if someone's like into fishing and they use a bike to get there, they would have a mountain bike, but often it would be fully rigid because they're not probably needing or wanting to maintain all the other bits and pieces like suspension and stuff. And I think that's the piece just there that makes it all make sense to yeah. me, um, is the maintenance side of things, which, which is not to nothing. Okay, cool. And then... Thanks. And then mountain Bike, sorry, fat bikes generally are now built for obviously riding on snow. I mean, people say sand, snow, and mud. I'd, I'd challenge the mud because anything on mud is not pleasant. Um, but sand and snow for sure. Is there such a thing as a fat bike with suspension? So there is. Um, and... There's a couple of other parts to that. So, as you may or may not have noticed, the fat bikes are much heavier than the other bikes that we have. Yes. So, they're a bit lighter because we did away with inner tubes, so they're tubeless, which isn't easy and not something everybody does. But you take, take the rotating weight of the inner tube out, so that reduces the weight. Um... Some people put a carbon fork on a fat bike, so they take away the tuning fork, steel one, or alloy. I think on ours, they're steel. I don't think they're aluminium, or on mine, it's steel anyway. It's a big, heavy fork. Like, if you take it off, it's like, whoa, this is as heavy as my sort of 36 full suspension bike, mountain bike fork. So, so a lot of people move to carbon. Um... And what you find is that some people will have a carbon fat bike rather than an alloy fat bike. And the reason they have that is so they can put a suspension fork on it. And by the time you've done that, the weight probably ends up the same as ours because a fat bike sized suspension fork is heavy. So unless you really need it, I would say don't bother. Yeah, so I understand what you're saying about the weight. Maybe my next question then is in what situation would you want a suspension on a fat bike so if you're old maybe okay. elderly people yeah some Super people cushy. some people buy the carbon and then there's there's a couple of models that have a full suspension version and you tend to find they are people that ride them all year or live in somewhere like alaska where they have maybe two months of nice riding and the rest of the time it's wintry and cold and they just want one bike so um, okay but the thing with a fat bike is, if a normal road bike, tyre pressure, racing bike is say 100 psi, if a cruiser bike is maybe 50, then 
Our mountain bikes normally tend to be between 20 and 28, maybe. So you're on the 19, 20 side because you're lighter. Right. Even I'm on the 25, 26 side. Fat bikes are at five and yours are probably, your front is four, your rear is five. My front is seven, my rear is nine. Five PSI? So what I was going to say is is that all of that cush in the, in the tyre, it is questionable how much suspension you need because the tyres do take up... Once you get the technique, the tyres take out a lot of the vibration and stuff. And that was exactly why I asked the question that I did. Because of all that squish on a fat bike, I, I wanted to understand if it was... If it was even a thing to have suspension on a fat bike, because you have so much cushion from those those beastly monster yeah. truck tires. Yeah, and I think I've ridden a carbon fat bike, which was massively lighter than the ones we have. The, the Rockies are fine, but they're heavy. Uh, that, on the face of it, I would say is definitely worth the investment. However... When I rode it, it was a dry, sunny day. And as you know, if you're going fast, you're going downhill. The rest of the time, you're like stomping through snow. It makes no difference what bike you're on, I don't think. I guess the other piece to this, too, is that I have only ever... It depends where you're riding, because I'm asking questions from uh, a point of view that I've only ever ridden my fat bike in snow. Yeah. Which is also a bit on the cushy side, right? Yeah, true. So, um, so yeah, I guess I need to re- remember that other people are using fat bikes for many other terrains or surfaces, not just wintertime snow. Yeah, I know a few people in England that use them in the winter when the weather's really bad. But they don't. I don't think they use them necessarily because there's a bit of suspension, but I think they use them because there's no suspension. Like there's a bit of cushion from the tires. Yes. There's no suspension, so the cleanup is a lot easier. Because in England we have, you know, like you'll have mud everywhere right now. So if you're just trying to keep riding through the winter, some people go to single speeds, some people go to hardtails, but a lot of people will ride a fat bike because it's just low maintenance. So. I see. So fat bikes really kind of came out of. Um, or they're super popular in Ontario, which is where we are, because the winters are particularly uh, long. <laughs> and uh, Quebec, they're pretty popular as well. Um, but less so in places like BC or hilly places, mountainous places. I was just going to ask about BC. Because people tend to ski. <coughs> um, gotcha. Whereas, you know, where it's a bit flatter. Although we've been to some pretty cool places with a bit of elevation last year, so... You know, if you can find a groomed hilly trail, it can be excellent. So, um, anyway, I was going to talk a little bit about what to look for in a fat bike, but first of all, as you just said, I was going to ask you what your thoughts were on your fat bike compared to your other mountain bike and fat biking in snow compared to riding on the mud. Whoa. <laughs> Let me start with that. Whoa. It's completely different. Um, It's, I always say, I feel like a cartoon character 
like I'm getting into a monster truck and a little bit like I'm in yeah a video game or some kind of cartoon action uh, everything is in the snow this is I'm speaking about yeah. everything is much slower and sort of much more exaggerated I mean it's difficult to go in a straight line in for example today we were riding where it was not groomed there was we were the groomers we were the groomers on our bikes and it is over the course of say even five meters you could be just like swerving like I'm moving my handlebars back and forth just trying to go a straight line and uh, also on ungroomed surface holy smokes did I ever get a workout today again to go in front and lead the way to sort of plow the way for maybe a what 200 meter stretch I'm gassed after that and saying Jamie we gotta switch you go first for a little bit and uh so we did definitely some of that today was taking turns uh being the front man no definitely I guess always not but on a groomed trail, it's... You can trust that... Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, when you're not riding in a quarry where that you're not even very familiar with. And, you know, is there a big crack and gap in the rock underneath that I'm going to, like, fall into the quarry? I don't know. There was one point where I did kind of wonder. Is that why you stopped and let me go? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> no, go. no, actually, it was when I kept creeping up to the right, further away from the quarry. I got a little nervous. For a while, I was quite close to the edge of yeah. the rock, and it was after that one big crack, I thought, I'm going to go up here, further <laughs> away from the edge for a little bit. Um, so, yeah, very cartoon-like, and like I'm, yeah, driving some kind of monster truck. Uh jolly good fun and quite silly yeah it is quite silly you can't take yourself too seriously no and you know um i'm never going that fast i mean again i'm quite using today as an example which was a much different experience than most of our experiences last winter on groomed trails where we and as you said we did go to some places that had some elevation and at times we were catching some speed there was like the tiniest little probably down two rocks today that I was like woo speed (laughs) I'm out of control but that's just it on the snow I you do feel very out of control but there's uh There's a lot of, I think, good things to practice. I mean, even something as simple as when, if we've had to stop for some reason or, you know, put my foot down, it's really hard to, it can be really difficult to get going again. And there's a whole thing that I've been sort of practicing. It's almost like, what do you call it when you you balance on your bike stationary? Track stand track stand it's almost like you do a track stand to get going almost every time for a little bit yeah you almost need a bit of descent to start don't you 
Like you need to be poking downhill, and then or you practice the track stand. But then even then, when you stamp on the pedal, you still spin skid out. Yeah. I think uh, with them as well, like just bringing it to the other part of what we talk about, so the foraging side of things is, I mean, they're great in the snow, but also because there's no real moving parts apart from the chain and the derailleur, they are quite good for going off foraging on because, you know, you could fit racks to them, so you could, you know, you could pile up stuff if you wanted to, but there's no concern about letting them them on the ground or you still have to be careful of the the mech hanger, but the reality is, is there's not much to break on them. They're pretty robust generally, aren't they? So I think they're a good utilitarian bicycle for going cruising into the bush looking for mushrooms. That's why I think. So, so we did a little ride today. We won't say where because we've already talked about where, but even today there was like uh, rose hips stood out pretty. Rose hips and cardinals. Bright. Two very bright red things amongst a whole lot of white and, and ho- grey. Hooper swans swimming around, I noticed. Oh, yeah. yeah. So they're uh, swan with a yellow beak. There's hoopers and buicks, but I think they were hoopers, and they were making their little trumpety noise I could hear. And you said they're from the Arctic? Yeah. Um, I don't know if they're on their way to England, or if they came from the arctic to here because it's slightly milder i think with climate change everything's a little bit up in the air but when i was a a kid there's a place in england called slimbridge um which is on the seven estuary and they all used to go there so they kind of start i don't know what time of year they start coming in but we'd always go early january and go and see them and you can identify them if you get to know them so each one has a different pattern on its beak. So each one is completely unique. So they look the same. So. Oh, neato. Yeah. Anyway, there's a little bit of a trivial for you. Um, Excellent. So I was just going to talk about specifications, but not in a mind-altering way. So we both have <laughs> um, we both have Rocky Mountain blizzards are the fat bikes we have. Well, that was spot on today it was a proper blizzard that we were riding in and it was i wished i had goggles (laughs) there's four models well we talk about clothing in a second i think there's four models two aluminium two carbon i think um and i got i've had the 20 just because that's how it ended up and jessica has the 10 she has the newer version than, than mine and Something simple like so the the ten has twelve speed gears and the twenty has twelve speed. So the ten has ten speed. Sorry, yeah, the ten has ten speed and the twenty has twelve speed. The twelve speed are a pain in the ass trying to adjust them because of the number of gears you have with the snow and the ice and the messing about it just creates a huge problem with the upper and the lower gear and indexing the gears is a constant battle. And it also seems to bend mech hangers on a fairly random basis. Whereas Jessica's is over a year old and um, it's a 10 speed and I've adjusted the gears once, I think. So, um, yeah, just as a side note, if you are looking for a fat bike, don't base it on the same 
criteria you would look for in a normal bicycle. If you look at, you know, if you look at something that's got 10 speed, has 26 or 27 inch tires, um, and has mechanical, not, uh, not hydraulic brakes, I would go for it. And I also would say we do have Rocky Mountain just because that's how that ended up, but I don't really think it matters what brand of fat bike you go for. As long as you spend more than sort of six or seven hundred dollars, don't buy a supermarket one. But I think any of the main bike brands, fat bikes, entry level are more than adequate for most things you're probably going to want to do in Ontario anyway. So, good to know going to go and race across the arctic you might want to look at full carbon but i mean if you're going to do that you probably know more than us anyway so or unless if you're like a ballerina on it like me yeah you could and be. you just need <laughs> that one so i was going to say on equipment personally as i don't feel the cold i ride in uh, ride concepts winter shoes with thick socks i would I die i get wet feet um I do occasionally wear winter cross-country ski jumps bike gloves, but I generally just wear normal mountain bike gloves. And I today it was super cold. I wore a thin, um, like insulated layer, and then a waterproof over the top of my normal riding gear. But I was going to get Jessica to talk about her setup because she does feel the cold and has the old circulation issue and. <laughs> Jamie does not feel... We are completely extreme (laughs) opposites. Jamie does not feel the cold, and I need a fully electrically heated astronaut suit. (laughs) (laughs) And a heated car suit when you get back. Holy smokes. So, for me, I think I have, I'm sure, mentioned before that last year I ordered myself a pair of heated gloves um external batteries that are what 12 volt and i i did some research on those and even i would say had ordered and tested out a good three pairs before before i settled on um, a motorcycle brand that i trust and spent a few extra pennies on and they have been pretty darn good i would say we can put a link in the uh, in the old description. Back to fat biking. Yeah. So heated robo gloves are a must for me. Like I absolutely, I could not be doing this without them. I would say the state of my hands and feet as well. So on maybe you know what? Why don't I start from the top? Um, Go for it. I like to wear a thin headband under my helmet. Generally, that is enough for me. Um, just a thin headband. I do like a balaclava on uh, on on colder days that I can tuck into, or, or an extra layer. I always tuck into my coat when I like or when I need to. But an extra layer in there is not a bad idea. That's I probably like a buff thing around your neck. Is that yeah, what yeah yeah. Um, but you could also, you know, if you really wanted to, you could pull it up over your nose. Yeah. I do find it hard to breathe then, though, such as today. Um, I generally am just wearing two base layers, and then I have, like, a heavier shell jacket. 
It's pretty uh, pretty retro. <laughs> it's probably from the 90s. Uh, she's getting up there, that little Columbia convert that I found on probably Super Discount. Um, but it's just a bit of a heavier shell, and I really don't care what happens to it. And it's filthy, so it's pretty great. For... Yeah, it's not a thin windbreaker. It's a proper like mountain waterproof jacket. I would say that may not be as waterproof. As I was going to say that is probably. But it's heavier grade fabric. Was my point. Correct and definitely windproof. Today, actually, to be fair, it was chillier. I had three base layers on. Right. Um, and then on my bottom half, I'm not wearing snow pants, but I am just wearing one layer of pants. I, I think in the past I had tried um, like a long john or even a like running tight. But the thing is I've got my riding, my squishy shorts too, right? So yeah. too many layers and Jessica doesn't like that many layers um, so I have a pretty sweet pair of fleece lined pants and those have been actually fantastic. They cut the wind. They're, they're, they're definitely a bit waterproof. Um, so it's kind of like a thin, more fitted, but with a bit of stretch in it, snow pant. So somewhere in between. And on my feet, I am wearing my Sorel boots. Yeah. And not my lighter, like my heavy-duty caribou ones. And how do they grip your pedals? Like, enough? holy smokes. Have you ever looked at the bottom of those boots? <laughs> They've got, like, major, mega, crazy tread on them. So, in fact, you could almost get caught in your pedals with right. those. If you want to shift your foot, you actually have to quite sort of pay attention because it it's not easy to kind of, you have to pick it right up and like click it over to a whole nother position, sort of. Um, I'm always wearing alpaca socks and the new edition, which I'm waiting for <laughs> in the mail, is I am now going to try a heated sock. And in fact, I think it's a a heated sock shell or something, Um I thought I would give this a whirl so I can select which, what kind of sock I want to wear under and or over the, the heated liner. Yeah. So, you know, if I want to use them with not huge snow boots, I could put a thinner sock underneath, I'm hoping. Um, or in my big boots, I can put a, my thick alpaca sock under um, and layer as I wish. So, Makes I'll let sense. you I'll let you know how those <laughs> turn out. I'm anxiously awaiting them as are my toes. My right foot was in a good amount of pain when we got home. Yeah, you struggle, don't you? The other thing is um Jessica has plastic pedals on hers, so she has composite pedals which uh, I actually put them on because they were orange and they matched, but I did, uh, I was thinking about it today. I think we, there's a lot of water where we rode today that was still watery and... Slushy, yeah. It was sticking to my metal pedals and creating icicles and it wasn't doing the same on yours. I, I noticed notice, that. Yeah, so I think that's just something to think about. Yeah, I um, I also noticed that and thought, ooh, mine are not caked in ice like yours. No, um... 
Yeah, that's the uh, the plastic or the composite. So I might have to swap mine around if we're going to be riding around here. I'll give it another try. I wasn't having a good day today. I was having all kinds of gear issues. So, as in changing gear issues. Right. I have actually one other little thing, just a small thing, but it had has made a difference or has been helpful for my hands. And uh, we oh, we had found these little rubber booties for my brake levers. Yeah which are musts for me on both bikes, all bikes, including my motorcycle, because I do find that touching the, um, the metal brake lever, that was like an instant make my hands cold, even just from touching it once. So anyways, just a little side note. I think we just ordered them off of... They just came off Amazon. Yeah. Of five or something. But, yeah, um... but they've been pretty sweet. It was a, just a nice different surface to touch uh rather than cold metal yeah and i'm even running them on mine not oh, on my other bikes but on my fat bike yeah it just takes the cold off touching the brake beam especially if you're on the brake not like today we were on the brakes i don't seconds. think i touched my brakes once but, today um, <laughs> if you're on the brakes on those long descents it does just take the chill chill out of your finger and actually the other thing I noticed with it is, is when it is icy and cold, is it's actually better grip. It feels better. So yeah. Anybody old or older who has been riding a long time may remember lizard skins, which was a way of personalising your mountain bike back in the day. It's probably about the time of Rock Shocks launching their suspension, but. There's a few people that will know who lizard skins are. So. Well, I was going to say that if nothing else, they, you can add a fun little pop of color to your you to your ride. Um, and then a couple of other things I was going to mention is this time of the year when the salt on the road, particularly in Ontario, however annoying it is, it's worth taking both wheels off and putting the frame in the car because you get salt on the brake discs, salt on the frame. However well you clean it, you will end up with rust and the aluminium oxidizing. So we have three or four blankets. We take all the wheels off, put the bikes in the car. When we get there, we put the bikes out, put all the wheels on, go for a ride. Brush A good brush is a good idea to get all the snow off. Can I just make a note on the yeah. brush? Because recently <laughs> I'm usually the wheel brusher offer. <laughs> Um, prior to getting into the, the heated car. Um, we recently got Jamie swapped out the brush from last year, and it was brilliant. And I do believe it is a very old-school toilet brush. It's a vintage, antique <laughs> toilet brush. So based on the fact that the house was built in the 40s, I reckon that's when the brush was used. It's got so a sweet wooden handle to it, too. It's got no too. poo on it anymore. It's fine. <laughs> just snow and ice. No, but just to say um, something even like a bottle brush for when you're going in and around your spokes and stuff, um, that was a really great tool today. So anything in that realm of like toilet brush, bottle brush, uh, you might want to have a couple of brushes. And I have two covers in the car, one in the back. I mean, we have seat covers on the front anyway because... We're filthy. Because if you go riding in the evening, you don't want to be trying to get changed, but... We have a cover on the back seat, and we also have a cover in the, I was going to say the boot, but you call them trunks for some reason. We do. Um, 
but the ones that I have had in the past and the ones that I got when I was here are the hunting ones, the ones that the guys use who are shooting things because they're hard wearing and like tonight all of the ice melts that you don't get off the bike it all melts in the back of the car and then it will soak into the floor and the seats but because these covers are waterproof all I did is put the seats back up and then let the water run out of the you know off the sheet onto the floor so it doesn't soak the back of the car so anyway yeah it is pretty hunting grade boot liners that's the word is what I would go for um I will see if I can remember the brand and I'll put a link but uh, someone like Canadian Tires Canadian Tire would probably be the option um yeah so do we have anything else you want to cover um well, there's one more little item that I actually, I think, made for you. Is it worth mentioning? The oh, yeah. neoprene booties for the pedals. And yeah. tell us why you use those, Jamie, darling. So, and actually we got them for the fat bikes, or Jessica made them for the fat bikes. But if you are transporting bicycles in your car, um, particularly more than one, where you're resting them on top of each other, and if you run any pedals but flat pedals with spikes they scratch frames and wheels and anything else so Jessica made some covers out of neoprene that just go over the pedal so that the pins don't dig into anything like your bumper of your car or even your hands like you can scuff your hands when it's cold trying to get bikes in and out so Those are, they are vicious yeah um, I'm sure if you contact us Jessica could be open to commissions for a custom pedal covers for a fee <laughs> yeah sure well if you really want to get fancy i'll make you some leather ones then we can talk skrills <laughs> then we can talk re- early retirement <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that was that and then just on the actual riding um the local quarry area where we've been riding a little bit or i have i'm trying to uh I'm trying to reinstate an old trail that's there. I don't think I'm cutting a new trail, but it's proving challenging to find, so I will keep you posted. I might even do a YouTube video if I ever get it running, although um, it's not going to be until the snow's melted now because I don't think I can even get into the bit I need to because of the snow drifts. But anyway, I'll keep you posted on that. Anything else you would like to add? Get lost!